Good Shepherd Sermon for Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. Pastor Peter Plagans. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church and School is located in Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin, in the United States. Our mission is simple and bold. We seek to grow in faith and knowledge of our Savior Jesus. We want to make him known to others so they too might share in the joy Jesus won for them. Here's Pastor. Dear Christian friends, I want for a moment to take you back 1900 years. It's the very beginning of the Christian church. It's, it's in its infant stages and, and there are people that are hearing the news of Jesus, just who he is, what he came to do for the first time. And, and they want to be in this group, this, this church. But there is a, a large need for instruction. These converts that were coming to, to Christianity needed to be taught the, the truths of what Jesus himself taught, the truth of his word. And so, now, in, in this time of Lent, these converts would be instructed and then on the, the Saturday before Easter, they would be confirmed and baptized and then the Sunday of Easter would commune with the church for the first time. Okay, now I want to take you back 500 years. And again, the need for instruction was still there. Martin Luther recognized this need, that there were many within the church that, that needed to be taught just the truths of God's Word. And so he prepared the small catechism as a tool that would unpack these truths of Scripture in an easy-to-understand way. And he and other pastors during this time would have instructional services during the season of Lent on the Catechism. All right, now I want to take you to, well, right now. And you guessed it, there is still a need for instruction. I've now studied the Bible full-time as uh, my job, but I still recognize this need in myself. There are things I'm still learning about the truths of God's Word. I would humbly state that I think the same is true for you too. That there is need for instruction to, to grow in this grace and knowledge of what Jesus says in His Word. Even using the catechism to do it. Can you think of the last time you would have intentionally or, or focused had a focused study of that book? Maybe you've, you've read the, the book itself or, or a, a devotional on it recently or had a, a Bible class on it and, and that's wonderful. But I wonder if for some it might be way back in, in maybe 7th and 8th grade when you were confirmed. So still today for, for you and for me there is need for instruction. And so this Lenten season that's just what we're going to do. We're going to follow this Christian a model for centuries that has been used in the church and dedicate ourselves to studying the truths of God's Word, even using the catechism as a tool. Maybe you've noticed it already in this service, but this Lenten season will focus on the chief part of baptism within the catechism. Baptism is something we, we reference often in worship or, or in sermons, but we may not have the, the opportunity to really dig into it in, in depth. 
But now with, with this Lenten theme, baptized into his death, we'll get to do just that. I wonder if, though, there's a few questions that come to your mind. Pastor, I thought Lent was about Jesus' suffering and death. So why are we going to spend the whole time talking about baptism? Well, I, I would submit that baptism itself is, is not an, an isolated doctrine that's apart from Jesus' passion. In fact, doctrine as, as a whole is, is all connected. Sometimes I like to think about it as, as a crocheted sweater. Right, this one big piece of, of clothing. If you would pull on a loose thread on that sweater and just keep pulling little by little, imagine what's going to happen. That whole sweater is just going to come unraveled piece by piece. Christian doctrine is, in some ways, like that sweater. Each teaching is tied into the next and into the next. And so if you reject or are in error on one doctrine, it will ultimately affect another. Even core areas of the truth of God's word, things like who Jesus is or, or how he saves us. And in these Lenten services, we'll see the passages on which we'll focus show just that. And even with baptism and, and Jesus' death and suffering, that these two things are, are intimately connected. Maybe another question is, well, how much is there really to say about baptism? It seems pretty straightforward, right? And to that, well, the Bible itself has a, a lot to say about baptism, and so we'll have plenty to talk about too in these services. As we see these five different sections of Scripture throughout these five midweek services in Lent will draw out these truths that highlight different aspects of this gift that baptism is, all leading to these five different themes. Tonight, our theme is, it's a sacrament, not a sign. And so I, I pray that this study will be a, a blessing for you. And in that prayer, I, I trust that God's Word will not return to him empty, just as Isaiah wrote. And I trust that the spirit of truth will guide you and me into that truth, just as John wrote. So I'm confident it will be, that we together will be blessed and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So off we go tonight. Did you know that in, in my house, Tuesday is Flower Day? On Tuesday, sometimes I, I like to buy my wife, Lauren, flowers just because it's Tuesday. <laughs> something I did back in college and now it's just kind of stuck as something I like to do. And granted, it doesn't happen every week. She'll be the first to tell you that too. But think about why I might do that or why any husband or, or loved one might buy flowers for another person. Well, it's to show them that we love them. See, love is kind of a funny thing. You can't, you can't see it. Right? It's, it's this abstract thing. But flowers, flowers you can see. You can, can hold them. You can, can smell them. And so when I give Lauren, my wife, flowers on Tuesdays, she can hold my love for her in her hands in a visible and, and tangible way. Can I tell you something amazing? God loves you. I, I know you know that already, but... It's a good thing to say and a good thing to hear. It's something we'll never hear enough. 
1 John says it this way, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So we can know that God loves us when we see Jesus hanging on that cross, giving himself as a sacrifice for us. But can you see that love? I mean, Jesus on the cross, that's a, a visible thing. We could see that. But what about seeing that love on a, a personal and a, an individual basis? Like, Im- imagine if, if you could hold the love of Jesus and his cross in your hands. Or if you could have that love run through your fingers. Or if, if you could taste the love of Christ on your lips. Wouldn't that be incredible? Well, friends, I have, I have good news for you. You can. Because God has created this special pipeline to bring this love of Christ to you on an individual basis. He's given us what we call the, the means of grace. That's this, this pipeline. The gospel in word and sacrament. What brings Christ's love to us? So through these gifts, we can experience and, and know the love of Christ not only in, in the word itself as we read it or, or hear it and, and grow in our understanding of it, but also through these special things. And as God has connected this undeserving love of Christ to these, these earthly elements, things we see and interact with on an everyday basis, things like water or bread or wine, who hasn't seen some of those things today already? we can then see and and know that love of Christ regularly. He gives these to us so that the blessings of his cross might become our own personal possession. This is a sacrament. This is the, the means of grace. And that's exactly what Peter was talking about in these verses we read earlier from 1 Peter chapter 3. And he told that to us in Plain and clear language. She said this, Baptism now saves you. That's about as straightforward as you can get. If you want to understand what baptism is, what it does, there you go. It's this sacred act instituted by Jesus in which water is placed on someone in the name of the triune God where water is connected with word and through which the Holy Spirit works faith This saves. And that's important for you to know. Because there are are many places where you might hear something different. There are are many churches that teach something else about baptism. That Rather, it's just a a mere representation of our being saved. It might be called an, an outward sign of an inward change. But that just empties baptism of of what God says it does for us and the comfort you can have with your baptism. This passage clearly says otherwise. Baptism actually accomplishes our being saved. And in case there were any doubt, Peter goes on to make this comparison to differentiate what baptism actually does. He says it's not the removal of dirt from the body, that an outward physical thing. 
He says baptism is the guarantee or the pledge of a clear conscience before God. I want you to think about that phrase for a little bit. Think about the the power that it has. How many times have have you felt guilty in your life? I mean, let alone today. It's impossible to keep track. We're constantly falling short in in the the things we want to do and and accomplish in, in our jobs, in our marriages, in our family relationships in in the time that we volunteer to help others. And that's just with our earthly lives. Think about the the lives that we have with with God, our our relationship with Him, how we want to do all of these things, but for for His glory, for His name. If you are anything like me, your conscience has countless opportunities to, to speak up and to speak out throughout the day, let alone our whole lives. But now, because of baptism, that conscience is silenced. It's wiped clean. It's like a a complete factory reset where everything that once was there is wiped out. Now, because of baptism, you can actually live in peace. Going through life your daily life free from guilt and shame and a fear of the future because of what mistakes you have made. Now, don't get me wrong, that doesn't take away the message of God's Word that perhaps you focused on last week, you know, on, on Ash Wednesday. That, that day is, is set aside in the church to focus on repentance. This need to examine ourselves, to, to see our sin, this constant need to confess that sin to, to Christ. Psalm 51 tells us that the sacrifices God wants are a broken spirit. Right? That is God's law doing its work on our hearts. But here, in these verses before us in 1 Peter 3, this is God's gospel doing its work of healing our sin-sick souls. Now, a natural question to ask is how? How in the world would would that hugely heavenly thing take place? And especially through just simple water. How might that accomplish salvation? Well, it's these verses. In them, Peter connects baptism to the the passion of Christ. This is where we find the, the Lenten connection in these verses and for this week. He says, we have this clear conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He also started out in the beginning of these verses almost with a a recap of sorts of Holy Week. Just what this Lenten season is focused on. He said, Christ also suffered. He was put to death in the flesh, but was made alive in the Spirit. And then goes on to talk about the resurrection too. It's this play-by-play of these events we're drawing our attention to now. It's this work of Jesus to endure all that he did as our substitute. This is how we can stand before God with a clear conscience, not burdened with guilt or shame. We have the merits of Christ as our own. And baptism is the pipeline that brings those merits 
to you and to me personally. God wants us to remember this. He wants us to, to know this. And so much so that he even intervened in human history on a global scale to do it. And how can you remember this, this global intervention? Well, with decorations for a baby's nursery. Okay, here's, here's where I'm going with this. My family and I, God willing, will get to meet a new child at the end of next month. And so last weekend, we were, were painting walls in a nursery in our house. We did a, something rather simple, but there are some families that will go to great lengths to decorate a nursery, even having a theme that runs through all the decor, all the, the paintings. One theme that makes me chuckle is Noah's Ark. Now, I'm not, I'm not picking on anyone who had that theme or maybe has decorations of Noah's Ark in their house. We have Noah's Ark baby toys at our house too. But do you know what nursery theme you don't see? The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Or Jerusalem being ransacked by the Babylonians. Of course, why would you decorate a nursery in that way? There's these stories of destruction and death. Yet, Noah's Ark and the flood is by far the most destructive story in the Bible. It's the story of God nearly wiping out the entire human race because of the wickedness and the sin that ran rampant enough that the promise of a Savior was nearly extinct. Yet, Noah's Ark can be a, a very fitting theme for a nursery for a very different reason. It's, it's what these verses point us to tonight. Yes, the, the waters of the flood wiped out God's enemies that were threatening the promise of a Savior. But this is also the story of God saving his people through water. As is often the case with biblical accounts and stories, just why we learn them and teach them to our children, they foreshadow God's work in salvation. Just how he accomplishes us going to heaven one day. And the flood is no exception. Yes, those waters brought mass destruction, but they also lifted up Noah and his family who were in the ark. That water saved them. And Peter is now teaching us, pointing out to us, that corresponding to that flood and that water, baptism now saves you. God intervened in history to show, just, to show us just how he saves through water and word connected in this sacrament. So that story, the, the flood, even the, the water we might encounter on an everyday basis can draw us back to the miraculous water and word of baptism. At our church up at St. Paul's on Ash Wednesday, we have the imposition of ashes where people can come forward and receive ashes placed on their hand or on their head. And as Pastor Praber and I put those crosses on people, we tell them, dust you are and to dust you shall return. As we are, are exercising this repentance in our hearts, that's a, a sign to show just what sin does, that the wages of sin is death. 
But as we had these crosses of ashes placed on us, I have to, to ask, or I asked people last night in our worship, well, how did you remove those ashes last week? For me, I went home, I turned on warm water in the bathroom, and I washed the ashes away. The whole time thinking of June 28, 1992, my baptism day. Just as the water took the black soot off my forehead last week, the waters on that day, years ago, took the filthy stain of my sin that was ingrained in my being. And even the, the sins that, that I still commit decades later, it washed all of them away. God has given me this gift of forgiveness, of, of salvation in baptism, this pipeline of God's grace. And the same is true for you. Whenever your, your baptism was, that gives you this same power of God that saves you. Washing all of, of the filthy soot of your sin away. And that sacrament, perhaps performed decades earlier, is still powerful and effective in guaranteeing that you too have this gift. There is no expiration date. There's no warranty that will expire. This forgiveness, this salvation are yours in baptism by God's declaration, by God's promise. God loves you. I pray you never grow weary of, of hearing that. But if you want to, to feel and know that love, recall the waters of your baptism that one day, years ago, poured over you, clearing your conscience entirely, both then and now and for all eternity. Amen.